Welcome to A Slice of SEL, a podcast for educators about social-emotional learning. Hi guys, welcome to A Slice of SEL, episode three. Um, This is a podcast from the St. Croix River Education District. Um, The purpose of the podcast is to have a slow drip of information about social emotional learning with our member districts in the St. Croix River Education District. And Courtney, could you tell us where this podcast is available? Uh, A Slice of SEL, SEL is available on your favorite podcast app as well as on YouTube. For those audio listeners, we are going to be describing anything that we show our YouTube audience as well as we can verbally. And we are the SEL services team at the St. Croix River Education District. I'm Rye. I'm Courtney. And I'm Nick. And this week on A Slice of SEL, we're going to be talking about what SEL is, kind of the central foundational question. Um, And we talk a lot about different practices, specific tools, and things that we want you to be able to pick up and implement in your classrooms uh, right after you listen to the podcast. But we're going to take two episodes and just kind of set that foundation. Um, It's good to have an understanding, a common language, so we all get what that term social emotional learning means, and that'll put into context all the other things that we talk about. Um, So there's a lot of pressure on this episode and next week to kind of put that definition out there. We're gonna have fun with it. Um, But before we get into the topic, we're gonna talk about our favorite segment, um, what's filling our buckets. What is filling our buckets today, you guys? I'll go first. This morning, I had a rainy drive up to Hinkley Finlayson High School where we um, finished some of our fall trainings and um, staff was just excited and ready to get through that. And then on my way home, um, the sun was shining and I got to drive south on 35 and witness all of the fall colors. So it was a good start to my day. What about you, Court? I've been working on site the last few days um, here at the Chisago Lakes Ed Center. Um, and I've just been able to watch some of the staff here and they're just so great with students. Everybody's so supportive and compassionate. And then just seeing them be so consistent is just awesome. It's been just great to be able to watch and be a part of it. How about you, Nick? That's great, Courtney. Um, and Courtney, by the way, is recording from my old school psychologist office at the Chicago Lakes Education Center, which is a funny experience for me to be watching. Um, <laughs> What's filling my bucket is I was at uh, Rush City High School this morning um, and they had just finished a lesson on organizing tasks with their uh, middle and high school students. And I thought that was fantastic to hear about just the importance that they perceived and kind of especially for the, the middle school students soaking up that information and this kind of idea like, oh, we really had no idea how to organize ourselves or keep track of our tasks. And that's really important, especially when we're in the middle of changing learning models here in the state of Minnesota mid-pandemic. So when we're shifting from in-person full-time to hybrid and, you know, hopefully not full-time distance learning, um, being able to keep track of your classes and your schedule and your tasks is more important than ever. So it was great to hear them talking about um, how relevant they perceive that skill to be for their students. And shifting away from our segment of what's filling our buckets, we're gonna get get to our main topic today. And again, we're talking about 
the why of SEL today, why it's important, what benefits it has for parents, for students, for us as educators. And next week, we're going to focus more on the how of SEL. It's going to be really hard to be disciplined today. I'm kind of on tangent alert myself um, to not <laughs> slip into a tangent about, you know, how? the how or any specific topic and just focus on the why. It's going to be hard. Um, but I'll try to be your process observer, Nick, and make sure that we are sticking to our agenda. Love it. Thank you, Rai. Um, but before, before we dig into that why, just to set the context, because we've talked a couple times in the last couple episodes about when people hear SEL and they're pretty new to the term, one of the first things, like stereotypes might not be the right word, but one of the first things people tend to associate with that word is instruction. And visually you think of like a teacher standing in front of a group of students, either circled around or in their desks, but they're learning about deep breathing, they're learning about um, relaxation, about how to resolve conflicts on the playground. Um, they're focusing on those skills and learning those skills. And that's certainly part of SEL. But when we use that word SEL, we're thinking of a very expansive, big umbrella that covers a lot. So classroom management, a school's discipline system, uh, all the things that we're doing to build relationships with students, so waving to students as they enter the building or as they enter our classrooms. Basically, I described it to a colleague a couple weeks ago as, if you think about it, everything that's really happening in a school, except for the content, except for the math facts, leaving the textbook pages or the smart board and you know, entering the student's brain, um, everything else that's happening can really be tied to SEL. So the teacher's voice tone, while they're delivering that math fact information, um, whether or not the student has a choice in how they're demonstrating mastery of those math facts, um, the pacing of that lesson, all those things are related to SEL and part of SEL because they're part of the students using the SEL skills that they're learning throughout the day. Because we're unlike other subject areas, like we, we do use math in our day-to-day -day life, for example, I'm not picking on math by any means, but we do use it in our day-to-day -day life, but we are constantly using our SEL skills every moment and every second of the day. We're practicing and either doing quote unquote, the, you know, the right thing, the expected thing, or having room for improvement that we can grow from. So just with that context, just think of all that expansive practice that happens in schools when we're talking about the benefits of SEL. And I'm gonna share my screen. Um, so on YouTube, you'll be able to see this, but rest assured for our audio listeners, we will be describing what we're looking at. We like to focus on things that are on our cross district SEL website when we, when we talk on the podcast. Um, that isn't the case with this specific visual. This is from a presentation that we deliver in schools. Um, and there's a ton of research on the benefits of SEL. We've tried to condense it down into these three categories. And Courtney's going to talk about the benefits of SEL to teachers. So when we're talking about SEL and the benefit to teachers, well-being and retention, um, it just goes back to like, if you can handle the behavior in your classroom, and if you can set a good stage for the behavior that you're experiencing or helping students with in your classroom, the more content you will be able to deliver. So um, I actually did a pretty expansive um, paper about this in the spring, um, and I focused on teacher retention and the, the ties to SEL. And some of the things that I learned that are already on this slide are that lower rate of burnout. So burnout is um, 
It's when people are um, experiencing a state of emotional exhaustion, and that can happen in a variety of ways, but especially when you're having to deal with students with pretty significant behaviors, it gets really like exhausting. And then you're bringing it home. And then if you don't have those social emotional skills to like have those coping strategies and all of that stuff, it's more likely that you will burn out faster. Um, a positive behavior or a positive classroom behavior is goes up when you have more SEL instruction. So like that was kind of what I was just saying earlier, but that positive interaction with students in your classroom um, just is increased. So you're more likely to say like the positive things like, hey, uh, you did a really good job on that or what was happening at home last night? What did you do for fun? Versus those corrective moments where kids are getting negative feedback. Um, students are having less emotional distress and they're more attentive. So when we're able to focus and cope with what's going on in our lives in the classroom, just with ourselves in general, we're more attentive to the content that's being delivered. Um, I know like staff too, like I was having a pretty rough week last week. So I was a little bit less attentive when I was in a pretty big meeting on Friday. So just being able to take the weekend, get some sleep, use my social emotional learning skills, the things that I've been taught, like I was much better prepared to be attentive today. And then um, that last stat, 93% of teachers want a greater focus on SEL in the schools. We are currently in the process of doing um, surveys throughout all of our member districts. And we are seeing a similar number to 93% of our teachers wanting that to be more of a focus going forward. And I think people, you know, perceive the benefits of SEL, like you talked about, kind of to summarize, it sounds like, you know, there's benefits to your just day-to-day -day practice in the classroom because your students are in a better place. They, they know how to use their SEL skills and that makes a calmer uh, classroom where more learning can occur. And a lot of teachers were primarily motivated to get into education because they wanted to teach students and see learning happen. Um, so if I'm really passionate about teaching English, that's the learning that I want to happen in my classroom every day. And if we can't focus on that content and that learning, that bothers me. Um, right. So having those SEL skills in place to facilitate that learning is really important. And then I also heard you talking about Courtney, just when, when that's your climate and your culture and your school of teaching those skills and building those skills in the students, we also focus on building those skills in ourselves. And we, it's easier that we have more common language to talk about that. Um, so we haven't gotten into like the terms of SEL skills yet, but when you, when you're aware of the skills you're trying to build in your students, it just naturally flows over onto you. So when you were talking, Nick, um, I was thinking about when I was actually in the classroom and I just remembered if I would spend a little bit more time being proactive and setting things up and really getting my students ready to be successful, I would spend so much less time at the end of it redirecting behavior and really trying to get people back on task. So it just helps in the long run to, like you said, get that instruction. Yeah, and I talk to so many educators these days, especially in my new role about SEL and I think a lot of people perceive that where they struggle with it more is just they need they need the tools and the understanding because a lot of people I think conceptually get exactly what you're just talking about. It's frustrating when we spend a lot of our time, a majority of our time in that reactive zone where we are constantly putting out fires as we sometimes put it. And if we have the tools and the understanding and the confidence to be proactive, that's like a sea change, I guess you could call it your your day-to-day -day just feels so different so we're going to talk about 
related, but the, the immediate effects, positive effects of SEL on students. And there's a huge study that happened a couple years ago. Um, 213 different studies were reviewed that included 270,000 students, which is a lot in grades K through 12. So they, they collected a lot of data from a lot of different studies, analyzed it. And the big result that came from that research was they found an 11% point gain on standardized achievement tests in schools with well-implemented SEL programming school-wide. So that's kind of a, a huge statistic that pulls out that idea of it takes time to do SEL well, it takes time to build those skills, but the benefits are so great because we, we aren't in that reactive mode all the time. More learning can occur around academic content. So just a, a big important study. Um, other immediate effects, things that you might just assume if you know what SEL is and, and the idea of building these skills around, for example, you know, emotional regulation, um, improved attitudes about self, others, and school, what they found in, in students in schools with good SEL programming, fewer conduct problems, um, and lower rates of drug use. So those are kind of immediate outcomes. Um, you know, just when you think about building coping skills and students building better self-awareness, again, we haven't gotten too much into these skills yet, but when those are, are present and in students' toolboxes, they have better immediate outcomes for themselves. And then there's long-term success. And they've done some research looking at what kind of, what kind of skills are employers looking for right now? And then what kind of skills are we anticipating employers are gonna need in the future? Um, and there's this phrase that I keep hearing, you know, outside of education conversations and inside of education conversations that we're building, uh, that we're teaching students to be ready for jobs that don't exist yet. Have you guys heard that one before? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when students are going to be entering, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, these computer-based jobs, other jobs, robotics jobs that, you know, are just starting to emerge right now, um, there's this conversation in education of things have really changed. You know, when I was in elementary school, that there was that joke now that, you know, when we were told that you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. So we need to learn arithmetic. Right. Times have changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's this conversation of, you know, we need to give students skills like critical thinking, problem solving, um, managing relationships organizational skills, skills that are gonna be transferable to whatever kind of content, computers, robotics that they're working with in these jobs. So the trend is heading that way and we just anticipate that it's gonna head more that way. Because um, if students are working on some kind of crazy computer program machine that doesn't exist yet in 20 years, I know they're still gonna to need to be able to communicate with each other in a team setting, to organize tasks, to manage their emotions when they get frustrated, to set goals. All those skills that we work on in SEL are still gonna be important. And they're skills that you know an employer can teach you to an extent like how to work on the job with a lot of different fields, but they often don't wanna to have to start from scratch, I guess, or, or just spend a lot of time teaching those SEL skills. So they're you know really impactful in job interviews and on the job. So you know, moving away from this slide, we're gonna talk about what are these skills that we keep referring to. Again, it was really hard to, to talk about these research benefits without getting into the skills themselves, but we're gonna go into that now. And what we're gonna look at, coming back to this focus on the Cross District SEL website, is this front page of the Cross District SEL website. So this is a website that we set up last spring 
to share with our member districts. It's a collaborative cross-district website. To get here, you type in tinyurl.com slash SEL site, tinyurl.com slash SEL site. Um, we don't have the budget or any budget for a fancy uh, URL, so that's what we work with. Um, <laughs> this, this homepage of the website is designed to be kind of a little flyer or a brochure on these basics of SEL. Um, and if we scroll down, there's the section, what skills do people learn through SEL? We have some icons here. So self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. Those are five categories of skills. And those come from CASEL. We talked about CASEL last week, but CASEL is the Collaborative for Academic and Social Emotional Learning. CASEL is you know, the leader nationally of, of social emotional learning, you could say. And a lot of states and school districts work with them to work on implementing SEL, work on creating standards around SEL. And these five categories that CASEL identified are typically what we frame our SEL around. So when you know there are standards, benchmarks for students, when we're talking about what we're trying to teach students, these are the five categories that we base it on. So again, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. We're gonna start with self-awareness and just talk about what that is. So a lot of the first thing that we connect to that is identifying your emotions. So students aren't born with all those words we use, um, frustrated, defeated, elated, optimistic, uh, those emotion labels, they have to learn those. So actually teaching students to expand their emotional vocabulary so they can be more aware of what feelings they're feeling is a big part of that self-awareness, but it's not all. And I really love that in a conversation at a PLC in uh, East Central Elementary School where I was at last week, they were talking about, yeah, it's not just labeling emotions and recognizing emotions. It's also being aware of your strengths, your limitations, and your preferences, um, and being able to respond to those with a growth mindset. So seeing, you know, these are my weaknesses, my areas for growth, but my perception of them is that I can get better at them and optimize outcomes if I, if I work hard, if I'm persistent. So all of that information, you know, we talk about um, like your voice volume and the idea, you know, right, it's come up a couple times, like you really like to have processing time in meetings after someone's asked you a question or proposed a plan. You're self-aware of that and it really affects your day-to-day -day work. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on, well, actually, before we move on, there's one thing we wanted to touch on. You know, I referenced standards and benchmarks before. We're looking at the website again and there's a learn more button so what's on this main homepage of the website is a brief description of each of these categories, these pillars, so self-awareness, self-management, et cetera. If we click learn more, we're looking at a spreadsheet of benchmarks in the state of Minnesota. So the Minnesota Department of Education actually worked closely with CASEL to establish benchmarks at different grade levels. And if you're not familiar, a benchmark is just you know, we would expect different level of skill from a kindergartner versus a 12th grader. Benchmarks tell us what we should be expecting at specific grade levels if students are making our expected progress. So just as an example for self-awareness, in the K through three benchmark, they have a, a grade band, you know, and that's one difference between, at least in the state of Minnesota, how we're different academics and SEL. 
in academics, we would have a different benchmark for each, um, different standards and benchmarks for each grade level. So kindergartner has their own, first grade has their own. We've got grade bands in these SEL standards and there's one for K through three. And for self-awareness, a kindergartner through third grader, our benchmark we're trying to hit is recognizing and labeling their emotions and feelings. Where if we scroll over and look at, hey, high school, what are we expecting? Uh, distinguish emotions one holds from how others expect them to feel. So that's a pretty abstract thing that I wouldn't expect from a kindergartner through a third grader. The idea that others were expecting me to respond and feel a certain thing after they told me something um, and I responded and felt differently. So you, you get the idea these benchmarks are really important because as we're, we're teaching and we're, we're talking about what we're expecting from our students, it's really imperative to have benchmarks that are developmentally appropriate. All right, we're gonna shift and talk about self-management. So self-management can, I think it can be kind of split up into to two areas. I mean, there, there are two benchmarks and learning targets for it in Minnesota. When you really think about it, one half of it is managing your emotions and your thoughts and your impulses. We kind of talk about, you know, a, a brake system, that impulse control, that's part of self-management. If you've ever heard of executive functioning skills, um, there's a lot of overlap between executive functioning skills and self-management, kind of this idea that you've got a little guy in front of a switchboard sitting in your brain. Um, and if we detect that we're too frustrated and we're about to shout, we need to put the brakes on that and choose to do something else. So managing yourself, uh, managing your emotions, regulating your emotions. If we figure out that we've got a thought um, that's not based in reality, um, like, you know, that teacher was definitely out to get me just now. We need to realize that, be self-aware and then respond to it in an appropriate way. So reframing that thought. So that's kind of one side of self-management, that kind of emotional regulation side. The other side is, is goal setting, persistence, organizational skills. So I'm gonna be able to set a goal. Uh, maybe it's you know mowing the lawn, maybe it's graduating from college, a lot of different kinds of goals. I'm gonna be able to organize my time. So I've got my to-do list, I've got my calendar, keeping track of all the things I've got to do and being able to persist. So the discipline that it takes to work on homework instead of working on video games, that's part of self-management too. And social awareness. Social awareness is uh, empathy and perspective taking is the quickest way of summarizing it. And those are a little bit different actually. Um, empathy is being able to detect and recognize other people's emotions. So, you know, one thing I haven't talked about is we've got icons for this, for those who aren't watching on YouTube. Self-awareness, we kind of chose a mirror um, because you know, you're looking in at yourself and, and thinking about what you're doing. Self-management, we've got kind of some, some knobs, some dials because we're adjusting ourselves based on what we know about ourselves on, based on our awareness. For social awareness, we've got a pair of binoculars because um, we're looking out. Could have easily been like a radar dish, very, very similar because we're kind of just keeping track of the outside world. So the empathy, you know, seeing how other people are feeling and responding appropriately to that. Perspective taking is more like thinking about how other people are thinking. So if I just said something and I see someone with a, you know, face looks like they're upset, they're about to cry, I start to think and take their perspective. This is probably the way they took what I said and that's perspective taking. There's also understanding appropriate social behavior. So, you know, recognizing that our, our, 
voice volume and the jokes that we're making when we're attending a funeral with our family versus hanging out at a barbecue on the weekend. That's a pretty extreme difference, but making that distinction for a first grader um, is part of social awareness. So just understanding that there are different social expectations in different places. And then being aware of support resources in the community and in their families. So being aware that if I need support to solve a complex problem, I can go to my mentor, I can go to a close friend. That's part of social awareness as well. Relationship skills, so pillar number four. And what we chose for this is two, those carabiners, Rye, carabiners. They are, that are correct. Yeah, so two carabiners kind of linked together. Um, so when we think of teamwork, you know, the, the subject of our first two episodes, teamwork, cooperation, sportsmanship, communication. So expressing yourself appropriately, choosing the right words, listening to others, um, proposing ideas like we're going to hang out together, uh, having a conversation, you know, waiting an expected amount of time after someone finishes speaking so that you don't interrupt them, all part of relationship skills, um, offering your help to you know, other students in class or your friends, that's part of relationship skills. So there's a lot of skills there, but kind of teamwork and cooperation is a good way of getting a general idea of what we're talking about with relationship skills. And then responsible decision-making, thinking about how your decisions affect yourself, but also others, you know, immediately and then long-term. So being able to weigh pros and cons and make good decisions that are good for you, for others, for the community. It's part of responsible decision-making. And that's also, you know, a realistic understanding of consequences. So like I said, pros and cons, and then just how this is likely to play out. So those are the five areas of social emotional learning. And again, we're, we're trying really, really hard to be disciplined and talk only about the, the why this week and focus more on the how next week. Um, but there's a lot that we can do to build these skills in students and when they're practicing th them throughout the day, um, help them recognize when they're doing a good job, recognize when there's room for improvement. But really everything that we're doing, everything that we mentioned, um, classroom management skills, relationship building with students that we're doing, uh, our discipline system, all of it comes back to teaching and practicing and modeling these five skills in these five areas. So we're going to transition to takeaways, but just to summarize again, you know, we learned that SEL is really beneficial to students, both, you know, immediately and long-term, but it, it's also beneficial to us and a really big takeaway from the research that's been done on SEL, kind of to Courtney's point is when we focus on it and we're proactive and we build these skills, it sets us up for uh, much better academic learning because the content gets more time when we're not focusing on other issues that come up when students are lacking these social emotional skills. And everything that we're doing, kind of a big part of the why with social emotional learning is to build skills in these five areas. So self-awareness, again, that, that mirror looking back at ourselves, self-management, kind of the knobs and dials that we use to respond to that self-awareness social awareness, those binoculars or that radar system, so the empathy and the perspective taking, relationship skills, the, the two carabiners linking together, 
and responsible decision-making, which I didn't, I don't think I mentioned, but that was a compass was our symbol for that. So kind of knowing what direction is the right way to go. So everything we're going to be talking about next week is part of building those skills in those five areas, those kind of five main pillars. And that's a wrap. Thanks for spending time with us today. Our next episode, um, episode four, is what is SEL, the how. Make sure to subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, click the bell so that you're notified when new episodes are released each week. And we'll see you next time when you come back for another slice of SEL. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.